0: wasn't nearly as eventful as the last game, was it? Your Montreal Canadiens lose 5-2 to to the Florida Panthers. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and um, yeah, look, losing this game I think was maybe the best result for the Montreal Canadiens. I know they hold Florida's pick so you kind of want to try to keep them out of the playoffs as much as humanly possible and beating them. Would have been one way to do that. But at the same time, I think we need to acknowledge that it's more valuable for the Habs to have their pick in the top five than it is to have Florida's be, you know, 14 instead of 16. You know what I mean? It's, it's better for the Habs to make sure that they can stay in that upper echelon there and get the best possible pick with their own pick. And we let the chips fall where they may when it comes to the Florida Panthers. I mean, if you take a look at the scores around the league, um, you know, Philly lost. so But, the, you know, they're far enough ahead of the Habs. So we're not too worried about them anyways. Uh, Ottawa beat Philly. So they're kind of keeping pace with Florida at least and uh, trying to get close to them. And as of me speaking right now, I do believe that the Pittsburgh Penguins are leading um, with about two minutes left in the game. So we'll see what happens there. That should keep them ahead of Florida at the very least. Um, Look, not a bad night for the tank, um, but let's get into the game itself that we just watched or that I just watched. I don't know if you just watched it. I kind of hope you didn't because it wasn't um, nearly as exciting as the last one. Uh, This one starts out, and then I find out that Alex Lyon is back in net for the Panthers. Uh, He played last night for them against the Leafs. It was last night, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was last night. Anyways, he played for them in their last game against the Leafs and stonewalled them. So I was wondering, you know, why are they going directly back to him? He's technically their third stringer. Um, I don't think he's the guy that they're going to be leaning on in the playoffs. Maybe they just don't respect the Habs, and guess the fuck what? First shot of the game for the Montreal Canadiens. It's the first shot at the bell center for Sean Farrell, and it goes in. I don't even think he was trying to shoot. It looked like maybe he was actually trying to pass that one across and get it to the back door, but he's coming in on the rush, and he just looks like he's trying to throw it out front. It goes off of uh, the defenseman's stick. I can't remember. It wasn't Mark Stahl, but Mark Stahl was there. It was the other guy. Either way, it takes a deflection. And um, Alex Lyon, he's cheating a little bit towards the middle to try and play against that eventual cross-ice pass. And it goes in off of his pad. It's one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens on Sean Farrell's first career goal on his first career shot in the Bell Centre. What a story. Feeling like maybe the Habs are going to get something going here and maybe they're going to get a win. Very not that. The, the lead does not last very long whatsoever. A few minutes later, Samuel Montambeau just leaves a rebound sitting right in the slot. Anton Lindell, he just does a flyby and puts that one in easily. It's 1-1. Shots are 12-2 in favor of the Panthers by the midway point of the period. Uh, the Habs apparently decided less is more when it comes to shooting, given that they scored on their first shot of the game. And uh, they got a few more for the remainder of the period, but uh, definitely there was a significant advantage for the Florida Panthers in terms of balance of play but we go into the second period with the game tied at one early in the second period we get a wildly soft call on Justin Barron they call him for a hook I don't think that he impeded anybody's progress whatsoever with his stick I think maybe you had a a weak case for a hold uh, but it would have been a, a pretty tenuous case for for even the hold definitely not a hook but they call it and the Panthers capitalize Reinhardt gets it near the goal line. He goes cross crease for Matthew Kachuk. He gets an easy one with Samuel Montembeau down and out, and it's 2-1 for the Panthers. A few minutes later, it's Kachuk again. This time, Anton Lindell carries it over the blue line. Uh, He drops it for Kachuk. Kachuk has too much space, and he just walks in and beats Samuel Montembeau clean up high. It's 3-1 through 40 minutes of play. The Habs had 13 shots on goal. So I'm sitting here wondering, you know, maybe the, the real race here is not to see if we can beat the Panthers, but can we even get to fucking 20 shots on goal? Can we do that? Well, we go into the third period, and it sure doesn't look like they're going to for, uh, for the first little bit. Also, it must be said, I talked about the weak call on, um, on Justin Barron. They were not calling anything on the Florida Panthers, particularly a certain Radko Gudis all my homies hate Radko Gudis and he is just getting away with whatever he wants he's cross-checking people in the back in front of the net at one point Justin Barron came in on a rush and uh, he's in the process of shooting and Gudis just shoots himself down the ice absolute clipping absolute clipping goes right at his legs, gets zero puck on the way, and takes his legs out and sends him flying into the end boards. And the rest just stand there staring at it like, oh, there's nothing we can do about that. <laughs> there absolutely is. There's a rule called clipping that covers that specifically, and you should use it. Radko Gudis is a piece of shit. And the Habs don't have Arbor Jack eyes, so they have nobody that they can send to go fill his face in. Like, Who on the roster would stand a chance against Radko Gudis? It's the only guy who's probably got the balls to try it is Michael Pizzetta, and that's a mismatch. Joel Edmondson, maybe. He's he's got the size, but I, I don't think he's got the I don't think he's got it in him to really win that fight. So that pissed me off. That kind of ruined it for me. The game was already pretty dull, particularly compared to the last one. And then you got this going on where Radko Gudis is just running around, taking every opportunity he possibly can to try and injure a Montreal Canadiens player. I do not like this person. I don't like him. Anyways. I digress, as I often do. Later on in the period, uh, just past midway as a matter of fact, Nick Suzuki has a pretty brutal turnover. He's trying to come out of the defensive zone. He tries to put it through Anton Lindell's uh, skates, tries to nutmeg him a little bit, and Lindell's having none of that. He gets his skate in the way, and now he's in alone. He dekes Montembeau, and he goes to the forehand and puts it in and it is four to 4-1 for the Florida Panthers. If it wasn't a wrap already, it's a wrap by now. But wait. But wait. There's more. The Montreal Canadiens, they don't go away just yet. Radko Gudis finally gets called for something that he's doing. He cross-check, cross-checked uh, Jesse Alonen directly in the back in front of the net. Or Maybe he didn't cross-check and maybe he just hit him in the numbers. But either way, they finally called something. And he's bitching about it on the way to the box, by the way which is just absurd to me. You got away with all this bullshit all game and you're going to complain about that? Anyways, the Habs go to work. They do something about it. Mike Hoffman gets an opportunity near the point, between the point and the top of the circle, and instead of shooting, he does one of those nice, beautiful shot passes right into the slot, and he puts it on a platter for Rafael Harvey Pinar, and he puts a beautiful tip on that puck, just a nice touch. Far side, it's in. The score is now 4-2, the Montreal Canadiens have some life unfortunately it was all for naught they would pull Samuel Montambeau from the net and Matthew Kachuk would complete his hat trick from outside of the blue line five to two your final if you were wondering did the Montreal Canadiens get to 20 shots on goal they did they got to precisely 20 shots on goal in the game so you know Again, I'm not too upset about it. I was definitely upset about the officiating and Radko Gudis running around. Uh, you know, clearly, I mean, I'm not. I guess I shouldn't say he was trying or clearly trying to injure players, but the way he's, you know, running around out there is—it's a risk of injury almost every shift. You got to do something about that when you're an official, man. You can't just allow somebody to run around like that, particularly not for a team that was at the at the point where he um, had that clipping. No call against Barron. They were up 3-1. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? I don't know. Anyways, silver lining of the night. <laughs> I got to pick one, right? And I was definitely tempted uh, to go with Sean Farrell on this one. Definitely tempted. So I, I'm going to put him in a close second. But first and foremost, I got to talk about my number one silver lining of the night. And for what feels like the 15th time in the last 20 games... We're going with Raphael Harvey Pinar one more time. I absolutely loved his game. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's a tough spot for somebody like him that played most of the season with the Laval Rocket to come up and uh, be thrust to the point where you're playing on the top line with Nick Suzuki and Mike Hoffman. It's not easy. He's been fantastic. Um, I think they've maybe found somebody that could definitely play on the second unit power play next year if they want it. Absolutely. I, I Again, I've, I've said this many times, so I don't want to be too repetitive with these episodes. I'll just be quick about it. I, I think he's best served in the bottom six for the Montreal Canadiens. But for me, for my money, after seeing the way that he's operated in the power play, the way that he can put himself in good positions in the slot, uh, and he's got real soft hands when those pucks come through, he can tip them. Um, I, I would definitely give him a significant amount of time on the power play if possible. Probably on the second unit, but hey... If, if it works, put him on the first unit. The one thing that this team really needs on top of just getting better players in general is uh, is to have a functional power play and uh, he can help provide that. But at a close second for the uh, silver lining of the night was definitely Sean Farrell. Look, I know he wasn't trying to shoot that puck. All right, I, I watched the replay a bunch of times. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go to my Twitter at uh, DrakeMT. There I go, plug in my own Twitter again. You can see that Uh, anybody who watches that, they're going to know. He was not trying to put that puck on. He was trying to get that puck to the back door. But look, sometimes you got to be lucky to be good. And they never ask how. They only ask how many. Sean Farrell, off to a good start. He's in his second game, and he's already got his first NHL goal. And I felt like he played a very effective game. I felt like he played a smart game. And more importantly than putting the puck in the net, I felt like he played very well defensively. When he comes back on the back check, he's in the right spot more often than not. He picks up the right guy more often than not. And there's a lot of value to that. I feel like this fan base has been trying to compare almost everybody that they draft to Arturi Lekanen for the last fucking... For the last five years. And it's increased exponentially since Arturi Lekanen got traded away. Now everybody's like, maybe this guy's the next Lekanen. You look at Sean Farrell, he's actually out of everybody on the roster in terms of rookies, he's probably got the best chance of being their next Arturi Lekinen because he's so effective defensively. And this is only two games in. right? The more time he gets with the team, the more time he gets with professional coaches, I think the better he's going to get because he seems like a sponge for knowledge, this kid. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward. And uh, this was a good game for him. Um, Obviously, got a bit of a lucky goal there wasn't the way he intended it, but hey, again, I say, they never ask how, they ask how many. Now, a few more performances that I thought were really good. Uh, Mike Matheson, again, he had a play at one point where he like cut through the neutral zone like a hot knife through butter, went flying into the offensive zone, and he gets stopped by Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl trying to land a big hit on him, trying to catch him going through the trolley tracks, and guess what? Mark Stahl got sat right back down on his ass. It was beautiful. I love it. Mike Matheson, when he gets going, is a freight train. He is a very fast skater. Mass times velocity, man. Mark Stahl thought, well, I'm the bigger man. I'm going to step in and I'm going to nail this guy. Not the way it works. Mike Matheson, absolute beast. I love him. I I, I I fall more in love with Mike Matheson, the player, every game that I watch. And it's it's tough sometimes to watch a game like that against Florida where they really don't do well. They only get 20 shots on goal most Habs fans I think are watching that game they're going, fuck, what are we going to do next season? We're going to suck. I watch that game and I see a performance like that from Mike Matheson in a losing effort and I go, you know what? We got something here. We can work with this as long as they can figure out the rest of the lineup around him and stay healthy next year. I think he's going to have a career year. He just needs to keep doing precisely what he's doing. It's working. It's great. Outside of that, Outside of those three, I don't have very many good things to say, honestly, about that game. Nick Suzuki, that was one of the worst games I've seen him play. I'm not going to shit on him because you know, I think he's earned a couple of bad games, but that giveaway was absolutely unacceptable. You can't do that. Don't be trying to nutmeg somebody when you're the last man back. I don't know (laughs) what hockey player doesn't already know that and i think nick suzuki knows it that's why i don't want to shit on him too much because after the goal went in like he clearly like that one was on him and he knew it um you just can't do that though you can't i I get it you know they were down in the game and he's trying to make something happen uh maybe something spectacular if he gets past lindell he would have had a lot of open ice and maybe he could have created something there but you just you can't have that happen he he's got a He's got to maybe watch the film on that one. He's got to watch the clip a few times and go, all right, never again. I hope so. Um, outside of that, uh, Montembeau, um, he, he had a decent game. It, it wasn't his best. It wasn't his worst. Uh, I don't feel like you could really charge many of the goals to him, if any, really. Now that I think about it, I don't even know why I mentioned him here because uh, I, I think he just he, he had a an average game based on his season this year. And look... An average game for him is has typically been better than Jake Allen. So, I, I, again, I wonder, is he going to be taking over as the consensus starter next year, the 1A to Allen's 1B? I don't know. I think that'll probably shape out a little bit more in camp. But, look, he's, he's done enough this year that, again, I don't want to shit on him. Um, and I don't think he could be really charged for any of those goals anyways. So, look, it's a tank game, folks. And uh, not all of them are going to be as exciting as that last game against the Panthers where they had all the goals happening. This one was a little bit more dull. Um, it was a bit of a slow burn. And uh, again, it, it, kind of like I mentioned after the last game, it kind of felt about as exciting as opening up your property tax notice for the year and going, Sweet, I get to send the municipality a nice $5,000 of my hard-earned money. Um, look, the Habs remain in fifth last as a result of that loss had they won they would have jumped Arizona at least for the time being Arizona plays what tomorrow night I think so um, you know if they win that game obviously they wouldn't jump back over the Habs but now it's a moot point now if Arizona wins they're actually creating a little bit of breathing room they're actually pushing themselves further ahead of Montreal and the remaining strength of schedule the Habs have one of the hardest remaining strengths of schedule so uh, Arizona, I, I think they're tenth or something. Like it's they they have a considerably easier schedule than the Habs. I think the Habs are going to be able to lock down uh, fifth last, and uh, that'll give them eight point five percent chances of winning first overall in the lottery. Hello, Connor Bedard. I would love it if you would come to the Montreal Canadiens. It is upon us, folks. We are in the final stretch here. We've got what six more games. <sighs> Six more games, and then we're going to find out exactly where the Habs stand. Again, probably fifth last, and then we'll have to sit around and wait for the draft lottery. Um, Housekeeping issue. This is the last episode that I'll be posting on the Bottom Six Minutes podcast channel. We've officially moved everything over. Habs Eyes on the Prize is now 100% independent. Currently, if you want to go and see our articles, you have to go to HabsEOTP.com. So we have a temporary domain. Um, The JSON file that we need is currently being ported over. I don't need to bore you with all of the ridiculous details, but we are going to have every single article that has ever been posted on HabsEyes and the Prize brought over to the new site, and it will be the same URL that you're used to, HabsEyesandtheprize.com. That's going to happen shortly, I'd say probably by the end of the weekend at maximum. But for now, if you're looking for us, it's at HabsEOTP.com. And this is the last episode that I'm going to be putting on the Bottom 6 Minutes channel. Everything is going to be on our new FFSN channel on uh, Eyes on the Prize. So if you have not yet gone and subscribed to us over there, just go into your podcast app and search for Eyes on the Prize. You should see an FFSN logo. It should be Eyes on the Prize a Montreal Canadiens podcast, all of the episodes are going to be there as of the next game in the month of April. And I got something special coming up hopefully because the Saint John Sea Dogs happen to make the playoffs this year in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and that means they're going to have at least two home games played right near where I live against the Olympique de Gatineau. Getz- no. The Olympic Day at Snow happened to have a certain Riley Kidney on their roster. So as of next Tuesday, I'm going to go to the game. And I'm hoping to uh, get a little bit of time with Riley Kidney afterwards. So listen, if you're interested, uh, I'm, I'm going to be posting a podcast episode for sure uh, that's going to have that interview. Um, and if you have any ideas on any questions, any anything that you'd like me to ask Riley Kidney, feel free to send me a DM on Twitter or leave a comment on the article. I'm hoping to get a little bit of time with him after that game. Uh, the first one is next Tuesday. So, um, I'll be there. Um, we're going to try to get that interview and we're going to, we're going to try to have some fun from here until the end of the season, because let's face it, the Montreal Canadiens are probably not going to provide us with a whole lot of fun on their own. Uh, we want them to be losing games anyways. So we're going to be here talking about the tank and we start, uh, to really focus on the future as well. The draft, the prospects that we've got that might be coming up next year and, uh, try to have some fun with what time we have left in this season. So, um, look, we're running at this point, uh, almost 20 minutes. So, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.